On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, Summer League is over. The Raptors finished 4-1, and one, and we have some takeaways. We'll dig into our biggest takeaways from Summer League as we head into the deep part of the offseason. Plus, Malachi Flynn dropped 73 points at a Pro-Am tournament for Jamal Crawford out in Washington State. Does it mean anything for Malachi Flynn? Isaiah Thomas certainly thinks it should. Plus, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell and whether the Raptors should maybe scrounge together a package to potentially challenge what the Knicks could offer. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1217 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, July the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of per- low low price of free my goodness that is a tongue twister here on a sunday night as we record you can also go to youtube and subscribe there as well hit the big red subscribe button join the nearly 2400 folks who have jumped in and taken the plunge to be part of our little locked on raptors youtube community it's much appreciated when you take the time all right on today's show we got summer league to get to we got malachi flynn talk we got donovan mitchell we're gonna do all of it with vivek jacob from raptors.com what's going on big guy not much, man. Just uh, enjoyed the weekend. Looking forward to the week ahead. Got some quality summer league action to talk about. Quality summer league action. <laughs> Certainly, the, the air quotes doing a whole lot of work on that one. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start there. Let, let's do that. We're going to talk about Malachi Flynn and his 73-point game in the program and you know, all the different takes to come around about that. League this man, or et cetera, et cetera. Everything has to be hype all the time. It can't just be that maybe a guy's, you know, he's a professional basketball player. Maybe he should put up 73 in a program. We'll get to that. We're going to talk about the Summer League right now. Uh, the Raptors finished up 4-1. and one. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the, I guess, like, the third place game is what they're calling it in the, uh, I really wish there was like a knockout tournament at the end of the summer league, but that's besides the point. Uh, they got to play against the Bucks to close things out. They beat them 80 to 69. A lot of the regulars from the previous four games didn't really play. No Delano Banton, no Armani Brooks, no DJ Wilson, no Justin Champagne. Of course, he missed all of the games with an injury. Uh, you got Jeff Doughton was out as well and David Johnson. Everyone else, though, played. Christian Coloco played, had 11 points, 5 of 10 shooting. Uh, you know, did typical Christian Coloco things, I suppose, except for block shots. Uh, look, you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm having a hard time really conjuring any sort of grand thoughts about Summer League. It's a little less fun when you don't have Scotty Barnes playing in it, Big V. I don't know what to say. Uh, what were your sort of overall grand takeaways from the Raptors' odyssey down in Vegas for the last five games? Yeah, so for me... Summer League is something where I just go in with zero expectations. I just mm-hmm. want to see where players are at. And, sure. um, you know, maybe you put a little bit more of an expectation on second-year or third-year guys. But um, in the case of Christian Coloco, 
I just wanted to see, hey, where's he at defensively? Where's he at offensively? And what is his starting point in terms of mm-hmm. building his NBA career? What mm-hmm. I saw was a guy who is extremely mobile, who looks like he'll be able to catch on to uh, defensive principles fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And on the other end of the floor, the offense is going to take some time. Uh, yeah there's a long way to go on that end of the floor but Mm -hmm. i think all expectations once he was picked was that this is more of a project that he's going to spend plenty of time with the 905 this season um and i saw nothing that really changes that opinion of mine Mm -hmm. and, and i'm perfectly fine with that yeah, I think maybe my overarching take about Summer League is that nothing I saw in Summer League alters my view of what the team is going to be on opening day necessarily, right? Like, it's nice that Delano Banton continues to kind of expand his repertoire and, you know, he figures to get some rotation duty next season. I mean, he did in his rookie season, so it stands to reason he would still get in there. But no one to me popped to the point where I'm like looking at Otto Porter Jr. and thinking, uh-oh, buddy, you should be watching out for your spot. Like, I don't think that's the case at all. I think the top nine guys is going to be a really good top nine, you know, barring injury and things like that. And I don't think anyone really popped to the point where I think anyone's in trouble of losing their preordained rotation job from day one, which is well, fine. Well, Champagne think- is the mystery box. Right? This is true. This is true. <laughs> you we might do just love Justin Champagne in these parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he, there's a there's a world in which Justin Champagne comes out in summer league, scores 28 a game, wins MVP, knocks down six threes a game, and we're like, why the hell have we signed that young? Uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> and so we get to go with, with the sort of mystique of what Justin Champagne might be once the season kicks off in earnest. But yeah, really... I guess the other sort of takeaway I have is that you didn't see anything too alarming. And that's always what you want to avoid seeing, right? You want to see guys who look at least sort of comfortable. As you mentioned, what's their starting point? And as long as the starting point isn't like booting it around and looking completely inept, then I think that's pretty good. Like you can't really ask for a whole lot more than that. Um, You know, is there any other particular guy? We talked about Coloco there for a second. Is there someone else who you kind of have your eyes on? I know lots of folks have really become infatuated with Jeff Doughton as a potential end of roster guy. I just don't really see a pathway to him making the team. But hey, maybe he gets a camp invite, whatever it might be. Uh, Anyone who's kind of catching your eye from what we saw in summer league down in Vegas. Yeah, I'd be really happy to see Jeff Doughton get uh, a camp invite. And then possibly the other two-way. Obviously, you've got Ron Hart sure. on the one-two-way. And mm-hmm. if he's uh, amenable to that, I think that would be a good way to go. Um, I thought there was plenty of pop off the bounce. I think he would offer something different to uh, what the Raptors currently have in terms of you know, the end of the roster uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that is valuable. Um Delano Banton, it's nice to see the shot come along. Uh, I think it's certainly better than what it was uh, at the end of the season. Uh, But (laughs) there's still some ways to go uh, to get it up to, say, league average or whatever it may be. Um, Mm -hmm. But the confidence is there for sure. Uh, Other thoughts, I think think Ron Harper Jr., the two ways probably what makes sense. Probably another sure. guy that's going to spend the entire season in 905. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like you said, everyone just seems to be 
fitting into their spots because you know if someone comes into summer league and dominates and is clearly like okay this guy doesn't belong here then that's something that's really noteworthy and something that you yeah. got to talk about rotation wise sure. there was nothing that happened that necessarily changed those conversations yeah i mean i think we saw maybe like the first inklings that scotty barnes might be something awesome in his in his summer league appearances last year i don't think it was ever quite as like overwhelming as uh you know it became in the regular season but you know i think of a guy like norm powell for example who just demolished summer league as a second round pick and it was like oh okay this guy's like 100 on the radar and by the middle of the season he was in the rotation and he was a regular piece and he saved games for them in the playoffs and so like that is really sort of the only summer league level experience that I'm ever going to really be moved by. Jonas Valanciunas, I guess, winning MVP of summer league way back when, before it was cool to go to summer league, was another big one too. But um, yeah, I, I didn't see anything like that. And yeah, maybe Jeff Doughton gets himself an invite. He's, I think, the sort of person most people have their eyes sort of, uh, their eyebrows raised that a little bit, just as a new face who did some really interesting things very efficiently, I, I might add as well, throughout his four games that he played. But at the same time, uh, you know, any sort of illusions that he's going to be like the backup point guard to Fred Van Vliet, I think he probably got to chill it a little bit there because, again, the backup point guard is going to be Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and yeah. Thad Young and whoever else they have in their group of nine dudes who are all kind of <laughs> looking the same outside of Trent and Fred. Uh, everyone else is 6'8", 6'9", whatever it might be. Uh, I just think that's where you're going to have the bulk of your minutes coming from, at least at the start of the season. And no one really moved me in Summer League to the point that I'm going to change that take all that much for now. Um, we're going to continue on to talk about a guy who was not at Summer League and was instead playing in Jamal Crawford's uh, Pro-Am event out in Washington State and put up 73 points. It's Malachi Flynn. 73 points against some pros and some not pros mean anything for what his future might hold for the Toronto Raptors. We're going to talk about Malachi Flynn and all of his different sort of potential outcomes this season coming up in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, injury reports, everything you might need for Major League Baseball. We're heading to the All-Star break right now. If you want to put some money down on teams down the stretch run, putting together a run, now is the time. The Blue Jays, for example, fired their manager, won some games against Triple A team over the weekend against the Royals. Maybe, just maybe, they're turning things around. You can go put money on them. I bet their odds on winning the AL East 14 games back right now are extremely, extremely favorable if you put some money down and you end up winning it. So go ahead and take a look. Bet online that remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcast news this season bet online is also the fastest way to check in on all your favorite events that happen one off you got mma boxing golf tournaments everything else that happens just once a year is all available there at bet online as well head to the website today use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action bet online is where the game starts all right continuing on your first listen of the day here with the from raptors.com and let's talk about malachi flynn the flips yes him cooking a bunch of dudes at Jamal Crawford's program event uh, were very clear, and he scored 73 points in a game, which anyone who does that is impressive and far more athletically inclined than I will ever be. Uh, <laughs> That's just the facts. Uh, but, you know, I think when you see things like that, the sort of hype train gets going, and it's like, see, this guy should totally be playing for the Raptors, obviously. And... I that's where I start to sort of nod off and fall asleep because I'm disinterested. Uh, <laughs> I don't 
Sorry, am I being too dismissive right now to say that Malachi Flynn's 73 points in a Pro-Am game means literally nothing to me about what next season's rotation will look like and where his lot on the team is? I know Isaiah Thomas, uh, also one of those sort of Washington State dudes alongside Jamal Crawford, Terrence Ross, all, all the lovely gunners we love. They they make a certain type out there, don't they? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he, you know, said, hey, like, once this guy gets a real opportunity, he's going to, you know, succeed. Seems like some sort of Nick Nurse jab or something like that. Um, thoughts on that, the Isaiah Thomas of it all, Malachi putting up 73 in a Pro-Am game. Where are you at with Malachi Flynn? Is you, are you at all moved in your position uh, that existed before this weekend about Malachi Flynn and his lot with the team going forward? Well, first off, it's a really cool thing that he could go to his hometown and do what he did. And yeah, that rocks. But and... I don't want to denigrate it in any way. It's very <laughs> cool. And like, like seventy-three points rocks. Seventy-three points is seventy-three points. I don't care who it's. Yeah. I don't care if it's in two K. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was it was fun to watch and those clips and uh, you know, it's something that he'll remember. But I think when it comes down to the Raptors rotation, no, it won't have, have an impact. I'll be honest. Watching those clips, some of those dudes uh, looked almost as physically imposing as me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I'm, what, 5'10", 170 soaking wet. So, Hey, man, I'm, I've <laughs> seen you wield a ping pong paddle. You are an athlete. I don't care about your stature. You are an athlete. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, some of those pull-ups, it's like, okay, you know, that separation wasn't really there. Mm -hmm. And his opponent just didn't have, uh, you know, the size or whatever it was to, you know, contest the shot, make it a really difficult shot. And that's something that's not going to happen at the NBA level. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those same opportunities aren't going to present themselves. Um, I think, you know, he, he's obviously a pick and roll guard that hasn't mm -hmm. had pick and roll opportunities. Um, but is it to the extent where he shouldn't be able to function in what the Raptors try and do? No, uh, I think he's had enough opportunities offensively where it's like, okay, we, we know what's expected of you in this system. Mm -hmm. When there's a kick out for a three, like you've got to be on it right then and there to put up the shot. Um, and there's times where the confidence hasn't been there. There's times where uh, it's almost like he's so hell bent on being a playmaker that he's looking for something else before he's considering his shot. And so those are the things that have kind of taken away his opportunities, right? Like Nick Nurse has said this. He gave Malachi opportunities at the beginning of the season. Yep. And Malachi didn't take advantage of them. And, you know, we can look at the playoffs and say, okay, yeah, he had those nice defensive stretches uh, against James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Mm -hmm. And that was the peak of it, right? And so he has done nothing at the NBA level to have a bigger opportunity than he's had so far within the system that the Raptors run. Is there a bigger opportunity for him somewhere else um, that suits more of his playing style? Probably. Mm -hmm. um, but part of the challenge in the NBA is trying to make it work wherever you are, right? Like if you're really good, you'll make it work wherever you are. There's certain spots you'll shine brighter than others because they because it's a perfect match but when you are where 
Malachi Flynn is at, you got to make the most, most of it wherever you are. That's my thing. It is like, yes, I understand that he was drafted into a situation that doesn't exactly fit his strengths, right? They don't run any pick and roll. They don't really have any targets as big men on the roll, at least in the traditional fashion. And, you know, that they play a defense that prioritizes length and ranginess. And while he's a good defender, he's proven that, I think. And, you know, he had the pedigree coming out of college, as I think, like the WAC or WC, whatever conference he was in. He was the player, the defensive player of the year out there. And then, you know, he, he has had some good flourishes, you mentioned, in the playoffs. He, he's, he's like a pretty capable on-ball guy. He's good at jumping passing lanes and all that stuff. But, like it's obviously not a defense that is set up for Malachi Flynn's to really be sort of the, the, the prime focus. Right. And so, yeah, I get, it's not a team that is accustomed or, or like set up to be exactly sort of fitting to his skills. But also when you're the 29th pick, no team is ever drafting you because you fit like perfectly into their system. Right. Like it's just not how it works. Like you're not <laughs> finding perfect fits for systems at 29. You have flawed players coming in and it's not like the Raptors run nothing with screening actions to get ball handlers rolling downhill. That's kind of all they do. They just do it in a, like a silly, like weave fashion at the top of the arc all the time. But like, there's still screening actions. There's still ways that they try to get their guards and ball handlers loose. And maybe it's not traditional, but you have to figure out a way to work around it. And it's not even just the pick and roll stuff with me. It's just the shot making has never been there. The eagerness to take shots has never been there. Big V, if I was just to ask you this trivia question right now, what is Malachi Flynn's career true shooting percentage? What would you say? I would probably guess like 52. It's 48.5. Like he doesn't hit shots. He's never hit shots when he's had opportunities to. And I, again, I understand it's not a team that's been totally geared towards maximizing Malachi Clinton's success, but look at the other players on the team. Why would they gear the, other, the whole team to Malachi Flynn when they have everyone else who does this other thing really effectively? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so it's unfortunate for sure that it seems like maybe this could be a lost cause of Raptors development. And, you know, you look at Desmond Bain being the pick right after him, and that one really, really stings if you're a Raptors fan. But I, I feel like we don't got to make fetch happen just because the dude put up 73 in a pro-am game and there were clips of it and there's lots of social sharing of it. Like that doesn't mean that he has any sort of proof of concept in the NBA other than like four games after the All-Star break last year when Fred went out, Flynn came in and admittedly played excellent, was really, really good in those four games and got hurt. And that sucks. But he's got to recapture that magic at some point here. And, you know, whether it's in the preseason, he gets some run, whether it's at a time in the regular season where a guy goes down, maybe Fred gets hurt again or needs some time off and he slides back. And I'm not putting it past Malachi Flynn to go and like put, claim it back again and say, hey, like, give me a job. I'm, I'm deserving of minutes. Look at what I'm doing. Like that could totally happen. But I don't think it should just be like handed to him. Like, yeah, okay, Malachi Flynn, you've had such a hard run the last couple of years. We haven't set up a team to, to be suited to you. Here's 10 minutes of rotation time just handed to you. Like he hasn't earned that. I, I'm sorry. I feel like an ass when I talk about Malachi Flynn. But I just, I don't get it because a lot of folks really seem to think that there's something there that I've just not seen. Yes, he's not had a ton of opportunity, but you're totally right in that he has been given opportunities that he has just not taken. And the one time he did take it was in the back part of the Tampa season where everything was fake and the points didn't matter. So I don't know, man. Am I a bad person for being this down on Malachi Flynn? Poor, poor Malachi Flynn. Am I anti-Raptors nation? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, man, I like it. I like it. Bring bring the fire with the takes. I like it. No, the last thing I'll say in this is that Pro-Am, like it shows that there is a world of difference between the, you know, 350th to 400th ranked NBA mm-hmm. player and the rest of us normal humans mm-hmm. and you know the 350th to the 400th ranked nba player and the 200th ranked even right yep, yep. both of those things can be true yeah malachi flynn can be way 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 better than pro-am guys and anyone that you know and he can also be far 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 below the level of a bunch of the guys on the raptors yeah, every single NBA player who's ever lived is the best YMCA player you've ever come across times a thousand. Like it's it's remarkable. But yeah, we don't have to take a thing that happened that was viral and say it means anything about like what his rotation spot should be coming into the season. I don't think he has a rotation spot coming into the season. I would probably put him at like 13th or 14th on the depth chart right now, uh, just in terms of overall guys I'd be interested in seeing get minutes. But again, I'm I'm very happy to have my mind changed on this. I'm someone who once thought Chris Boucher wasn't really an NBA player, and that blew up in my face. I love being wrong. It's great. It means something good has happened probably to the Raptors. And so I'm not rooting against Malachi Flynn necessarily. I just feel like there has to be some, uh, just like a, a cooling of the jets a little bit on what he can be and the sort of like there's a lot of like Nick Nurse criticism for not playing Malachi Flynn and I just you can criticize Nick Nurse for a lot of things that is not one of them man like again 48.5 career true shooting it's it kind of speaks for itself Um, with that we're going to continue on and talk about a guy who has a much higher true shooting percentage in his career and is potentially going to be taking that true shooting percentage that is quite high to some new team that is no longer the Utah Jazz we're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell I briefly hit on it last week when the first noise came out that he might actually be on the move now after the Jazz grandstanded and said he would not be and we're going to talk a little bit about what the Raptors could potentially maybe they should throw at the Jazz in a potential Donovan Mitchell trade offer but before we do that just a reminder that you can listen to Locked On NBA every single day to get a full breakdown of the news and notes the night before in the NBA. It's a great show. We're going daily till the end of the month and then three times a week throughout the offseason so you'll never be without your fix of NBA talk. It's wonderful. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. All right, Big V, let's talk Donovan Mitchell, shall we? Uh, It came out last week that after thinking about it and saying, well, we're not really going to trade Donovan Mitchell unless we get our socks blown off. Now they're listening because, you know, Brian Windhorst knows all, I guess. Uh, He was on this from the jump. So seems like Donovan Mitchell is at some point going to be dealt here, whether it's before the season or (laughs) somewhere towards the deadline or next summer. Who knows? But it does seem like at some point he will no longer be playing for the Utah Jazz. The New York Knicks are like the overwhelming favorites to get him and probably for good reason. They have a bazillion picks they can throw at the Jazz and the Jazz seem to be kind of in this position where it's like, well, we got all this for Rudy Gobert. Of course we have to get more for Donovan Mitchell as if that's how the market works. And it just might because the Knicks might throw all those picks at them and they will be happy and the trade market will be broken forever because no trade will ever happen without six picks going and we'll just never see trades again or something. Thanks, Danny Ainge. Um, But either way, uh, the Raptors, in theory, are a pretty good fit for Donovan Mitchell's skills. And he does address a lot of what the Raptors need in terms of half-court shot creation, guard play, all that stuff. 
So I ask you, Big V, I kind of last week a little bit dismissed the idea, mostly because I think the bidding war with the Knicks is just one you're going to lose. And if you're beating the Knicks in a bidding war with all their picks, you're probably doing something pretty stupid. But I am curious, like, what are your thoughts about just the conceptual idea of Donovan Mitchell playing for the Toronto Raptors? And is there a package that you kind of have floating out in your head that you think you might be comfortable giving up to acquire him if the Jazz want to play ball? Uh, I'll answer the second one first. Uh, I'd probably go as far as, you know, Gary Trent Jr. plus w- whatever it takes um, sure. beyond that uh, outside of the you mean court. picks-wise? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about Donovan Mitchell. I wouldn't be able – I wouldn't be willing to give up on anyone uh, from the core for him. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I think – uh, keeping OG Ananobi is really valuable. Keeping Precious is really valuable. Um, and then obviously you're not touching uh, any of the other four. Uh, so three. Because um, <laughs> I'm talking about Gary Precious and OG. Uh, so I think uh, with Donovan Mitchell, yeah, he does address needs. And uh, he would be a good theoretical fit. But when you look at the theoretical fit, you also have to look at what the jazz would want in return. And that's where I think the fit diminishes mm-hmm. what you're losing. Right. And so uh, I wouldn't be in favor. Um, I do wonder about, you know, uh, his desire to be the man and all that and how that might impact chemistry and things like right. that. Uh and so, yeah, I, I lean towards just, you know, uh, if you're going to give up that level of asset to get that tier, why not just wait for, you know, some rumblings to come out of OKC? Fair enough. The agenda is strong, <laughs> baby. Uh, <laughs> here, so I have a hard time and I admit, like, I'm sort of like anti-jazz pilled um mostly because my boss is the utah jazz play-by-play guy and i make fun of him at conference calls all the time about the jazz uh (laughs) but also because like you know the jazz have toxic vibes the whole thing the last couple years has been just like ever since the covid stuff really has just been very dour and i don't really know where to sort of draw the lines of blame like how much is it gobert how much of it was mitchell how much of it was quinn snyder and the front office and the new ownership and all this stuff just I know the vibes down there were problematic and gross and like really, really off. And that led, I think, to the team eventually being blown up. Donovan Mitchell's really good though. Like he is like one of the I don't I don't think he's like a top ten player. I would argue he could could be considered like as far as pure scorers go in that top 10 conversation like the dude is a bucket the dude can score at all three levels the dude has had playoff series where he has completely set the earth on fire like he's a really really good player you know i have my own what's that the bubble was fake though (laughs) the bubble was fake that's true uh except for the nuggets the nuggets were awesome uh and and the og buzzer beater from kyle over taco fall that was real that was the only real thing in the bubble it's basically like winning another championship um no but the thing with mitchell is i i just i don't know where to sort of figure out like where my own personal misgivings about about him start and his like own flaws as a player begin like I, it's probably 
that he's a better player than I give him credit for. As I think is probably the case with most guys. Like, there's always this urge to just sort of knock guys down. They lose in a playoff series. They play on a sort of weird vibes team. And it's like, well, that guy sucks. It's like, well, no, there's probably other factors there. I think Donovan Mitchell would be a really good fit on the Raptors. And I was listening to the Pound of the Rock podcast with our pals Joey W. and Joey Cash on Friday. And they were mentioning the idea of, like, OG, Kem, and Flynn, or whatever the salary needs to work at the back end of it. That, but OG and Kem is kind of the, the main crux of it. Those guys, plus like three firsts, maybe a couple swaps or whatever you, whatever the Jazz are asking for. They're psychos. They'll probably ask for 10 picks. They, don't, they can't give 10 picks. Sorry, Danny. Um, but I actually think I would consider that. And this is not because I don't love OG. OG's awesome. But when the whole Blazers thing was going on, my thought was, unless you're getting a player who's better than OG back, don't trade him. Donovan Mitchell's a better player than OG Ananobi, just in a vacuum. And as much as I think OG is incredibly valuable, I think if you can get Donovan Mitchell without giving up Precious, Scotty, and Siakam, you can still maintain the integrity of your defense, not to mention Fred Van Vliet, who's incredible. You got Boucher, you got Thad, you got Porter off the bench. You send those guys out, you bring in a guy like Donovan Mitchell to kind of balance things out so maybe you don't have to play such a psycho-crazy defense and you can actually just play a conservative defense that stops guys from scoring. And I think you can probably come out in the green on that one, sort of net to- net, net worth-wise or whatever. So I, I could be compelled by that. I know it's a tough pill to swallow to move on from OG Ananobi, but an idea of a Fred, Mitchell, Barnes, Siakam, Achua starting five... Like, I don't know if there's a better one in the in, in Eastern Conference. Maybe the Celtics. And after that, like, I, I think that is probably the next best starting five in the East and one of the three or four best in the NBA, I would argue. Like, that gives you a lot of juice and a lot of different sort of ways you can beat other teams. You have the pull-up threat of Fred. You have Donovan Mitchell. Like, those guys can both play on or off the ball. You've got Scotty and Pascal sort of flexing their their. their Flexing their muscles, spreading their wings. Flexing their wings, they almost said. That was a weird image. Uh, just like a muscly <laughs> eagle. Uh, <laughs> like, I like the idea of that. You get Precious to sort of maintain the integrity of the defense. I could be talked into an OG-based swap for Donovan Mitchell. Of course, it requires the Knicks to a chicken out and not give all the picks that the, the Jazz are wanting. And for the Jazz to want OG Ananobi. And from all the reporting, it sounds like from Tim McMahon in particular at ESPN, they don't want any money back. They don't want to be paying guys. They want to be as bad as possible. They don't even want RJ Barrett back from the reporting that you've heard so far. Like, that's, A, probably dumb on the part of the Jazz. You should want RJ Barrett if you're doing a trade like this. He's good. Get good players in your team. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I... it bums me out how much I'm into this as a guy who is kind of lukewarm on Donovan Mitchell as like a dude who seems kind of lame, but the basketball argument I think is kind of sound, even though OG is very valuable. What say you to that concept? I would be in favor of that deal. If OG Ananobi is truly unhappy. Okay. OG Ananobi deleted his Twitter. Why would OG Ananobi? <laughs> Did he actually do that? Twitter. <laughs> Did this happen? You're scaring I me now, Wendy. <laughs> I think he did. Um, Damn. RIP to the your it's our girlfriend now tweet. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I saw the Raptors had put up a post uh, for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Um wishing him a happy birthday then they deleted it then they put up another one um and then they tagged him 
but then it said the user doesn't exist. <laughs> so Windhorse is immortal now. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> For those who are not listening, we've just been trading back and forth Brian Windhorse, or those who are listening and not watching. We've just been trading back and forth Brian Windhorse finger pointies um, as we talk about this, which is great. <laughs> yeah. So I would be open to that if OG is unhappy and looking mm-hmm. to move on. I think he's, uh, if he's happy uh, in Toronto, then he's an incredibly valuable piece to what the Raptors are trying to do. I mm-hmm. think, you know, this is where, because we still don't have great defensive analytics and measures, uh, it's hard to quantify what OG brings to the table on that end. I yeah. think I'll recognize that he is an all-world defender at mm-hmm. his best. And, um, it's unfortunate that we didn't see him on the court enough last season. And, you know, he's had some unfortunate situations and some bad luck with injuries uh, in terms of missing time on the court. Uh, and hopefully that begins to turn next season. Mm-hmm. But I think having OG Ananobi and Precious Achua as your two best one-on-one defenders is is so incredible. And, yeah. and saw that in the playoffs as yeah. well uh, against Philly. And so um, the value of that to me is immense. Um, the three-point shooting that he brings to the table, uh, those high-scoring games that he had against Philly, like he is – in the elite of the elite of like three and D players, right? He's a perfect playoff player. Yeah. Perfect. Like things will funnel to him because other teams will devote their attention to the Toronto's best players. And the dude is really good at filling in the gaps and converting on those opportunities. Like I've said a lot, he reminds me a lot at his sort of peak value of what Siakam was for the championship team. And it's like, that can be what he is like. That's that's all you need him to be. Like you don't need him to go and have this star turn. You have other guys who are taking that star turn. Yeah, uh, OG's a valuable ass player, man. As Zach Lowe said on his pod on Friday, talking about this very thing, like he's a very valuable player around the league because everyone knows he's the exact type of player every championship team needs. Like it's just it's true, and you know we've been saying that on this podcast for a while now. So um, yeah, it, it's so, not yeah. easy. It's not easy the idea of giving him up, but I, I do think yeah. Donovan Mitchell is uh, almost the kind of guy that you say, you know what, you do that for. Yeah. So again, if he, if he's truly unhappy on some level about his role or whatever it might be, then yeah, I wouldn't entertain that offer, no doubt, and I would probably do it. If he it is, is if he's happy, then I would I would probably shade against it. It does need to be said that uh, this is probably not happening because the Knicks are probably just going to give the eight picks or whatever it's going to take to get them, and that will be that. And the Knicks will win 44 games and be a nice, fun story that loses in the first round. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> who, like, when are we going to learn that the two small guards who aren't very good defenders thing doesn't really work, man? Uh, <laughs> like, CJ and Dame didn't work. Why not do it with Mitchell and Brunson, huh? Like, that definitely not less talent on hand than those two combined. Like, I don't know, man. Um, it is also – this will be the, the offseason for the pod that we've talked about the most fake trades, and it's most likely that they're just going to run it back and have literally yeah. the most continuity no. of any team in the NBA. Uh, we love the offseason, don't we? Uh, 
any last parting shots here before we round things out uh, and anything you'd like to plug? I think the last thing I'll say is, you know, when you look at all these trade rumors that involve the Raptors, obviously number one is because they have the assets that yep. every team would want to get these deals done. Where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those and Orlando so Magic podcasters are having a rough summer without any of this stuff to talk about. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, in in the words of Zach Lowe, for me, you if you are giving up a decent chunk of those assets i would want it to be for that apex predator yep and yep. i wouldn't put donovan mitchell in that category totally fair totally fair there will always be another one when you're the raptors because they're going to be this team for like the next two or three years where they have all the stuff to trade and uh man it's a nice place to be gotta say as much as i, I i'm sure nothing will actually happen kevin durant will stay on the nets uh you know they're not going to get donovan mitchell he'll be on the knicks all of this it's nice to talk about it's nice that the raptors are in these conversations because that means they've done something right um with that we're gonna round it there thank you so much for tuning into the show uh big v you forgot to plug what you got usual stuff raptors.com uh complex canada cbc sports and uh you can follow me on twitter at vivekmjacob Awesome. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to the show for free on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. And uh, you can also uh, follow, I don't know, I just did all the plugs. Uh, sometimes I do blogs at Raptors HQ. That's, that's the other thing I was looking for. Either way, back again tomorrow. We uh, haven't figured out what it's going to be on Tuesday yet. I do know what Friday's podcast is going to be, though, so I'll tease that. Jake Fisher, the People's Insider, is coming on the podcast on Friday. We're going to get the lowdown on the Kevin Durant negotiations, where things are headed, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun on Friday. So stay tuned for that, and we'll fill in the rest of the week with some fun stuff as well as we really move into off-season mode now. Summer League's over. We're going to have some fun, baby. All right, with that, we'll round it out. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye.